Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. Greetings. Happy Thursday. Steve Dace on the tail end of the dreaded sinus infection. Uh, that would be me, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. And of course, all of you, thank you for joining us again here today. It is a Thursday. There is a lot to get to on today's program. Three non-political questions at the tail end. That's your warning, Aaron, to have those ready to go. Theology Thursday will continue our look at a nefarious plot. The chapter this week that we will be discussing, Decay. Again, keep in mind, this book was released at CPAC in 2016. I, I finished writing the book the summer of 2015. That's, that's actually the last time I've been to CPAC was 2016. Haven't been there since. That was seven years ago. It's the last time I've been, Doc. And when was the, contained within this chapter is the seven deadly worldviews. When's the first time we did that? Do you... The first time I actually did that was for the church we belonged to at the time. They wanted me to do an adult Bible fellowship on worldview stuff. And so I just came up with that on my own for the church. And then I think we probably did it on the show for the first time before you guys even came to work here would be my guess is when that happened. And then when we were on CRTV, we we brought that series back out with my buddy Jeremiah Johnston, who's down at... uh, People loved it. And uh, he's the C.S. Lewis Society guy, the Christian Thinker Society. People loved it. So we'll get get into some of that again today because that's part of the chapter we will discuss. But it's funny to be going through a chapter called Decay when the term managed decay is a part of our everyday lexicon right now with what's happened to the country, right? People may love it less going over it now that it's not quite as theoretical. It is. It's painful, man, oh, good grief. To, to go through some of this stuff. So That's what I did not expect, having read it as many times as I have to help you. put, And it's hitting me in a whole new way, and damn you for... Well, I, don't you. damn me. I didn't do it. <laughs> damn the one who did, all right? The, 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 the eternally damned are the ones doing this to us right now as we speak, in fact. So damn them. Uh, but we'll hear from uh, Lord Nefarious again next hour. At the bottom of this hour, our good friend Brian Festa from We the Patriots USA. They are branching out. Don't, don't worry. They're still heavily involved in the medical freedom battle across the country. But they're also getting involved in what has happened in East Palestine, Ohio. And he will talk to us about that at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to those things. A reminder, to be sure, check out our friends over at Constitution Wealth together. They will work with you to create a financial plan that is based on your values. And now you can align your values with your money, align your values with your money and with your portfolio, your ROI, your yield, put your money to work in the culture war. Don't sacrifice your principles from uh, for profit. You don't have to do that anymore. You can be prophetic in the search for profit. See what I did there. Go to investwithcw.com slash Steve for Constitution Wealth. Investwithcw.com slash Steve. Here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a newfound respect for trust and transparency, or not. FBI Director Chris Wray went on Fox News earlier this week and was asked his thoughts about the bombshell Wall Street Journal report that the Department of Energy thinks the pandemic began with a lab accident. Note, Brett, uh, the FBI has for quite some time now assessed that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident in Wuhan. Let me step back for a second. You know, the FBI has 
folks, agents, professionals, analysts, virologists, microbiologists, etc., who focus specifically on the dangers of biological threats, which include things like novel viruses like COVID, uh, and the concerns that, that in the wrong hands, some bad guys, a hostile nation state, a terrorist, a criminal, the threats that those could pose. So here you're talking about a potential leak from a Chinese government-controlled lab that killed millions of Americans, and that's precisely what that capability uh, was designed for. Just last night, the Senate voted unanimously to require the Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines, to declassify all information on the origin of COVID-19. Peter Daszak, head of the infamous EcoHealth Alliance, which may have funded via grants from the NIH, the risky research at the Chinese lab where the pandemic probably started, is out with a new paper this week sponsored by and published at the NIH, claiming European hedgehogs getting together with bats are to blame for various coronavirus outbreaks and directly compares that to SARS-CoV-2. I'm sure that's just a coincidence. The NIH published the paper just this week of all weeks. The House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic had hearings this week and truth bombs were dropped. Here's Stanford epidemiologist Jay Bhattacharya. Maybe the most perplexing sin of the public health establishment was that it abandoned an essential commitment to science. For example, why uh, was the age gradient in COVID risk ignored in sending COVID-infected patients back to nursing homes early in the pandemic, where we knew the most vulnerable people re resided? Why did public health authorities ignore clear scientific data that COVID infection-acquired immunity is as strong or stronger than vaccine-acquired immunity? Vaccine mandates forced many frontline workers, heroes who contracted COVID early in the pandemic while doing essential work, to choose between their careers and a vaccine that provides less protection than the natural immunity they already had. Many faced with these anti-scientific choices will never trust public health authorities again. It's officially been two weeks since a sitting U.S. Senator, John Fetterman, checked himself into the hospital for clinical depression, and we've had absolutely no updates, totally normal stuff. Elsewhere in the Senate, the Judiciary Committee absolutely grilled Attorney General Merrick Garland on various issues. Here's Mike Lee asking why the DOJ hasn't prosecuted cases of vandalism against pro-life pregnancy centers. I can't hear you! It's too dark in here! Whoops, wrong clip. So how do you explain this disparity uh, uh, by reference to anything other than politicization of what's happening there? The, those who are attacking the pregnancy resources centers... Uh, which is a, a horrid thing to do, are doing this at night um, in the dark. Uh, but um, uh, these people who are doing this are clever and are doing it in secret. Senator Ted Cruz asked why Garland isn't protecting conservative Supreme Court justices who have been confronted and threatened. Marshals on scene make that determination in light of the priority of defense. The marshals do not make a determination over whether to prosecute you. The attorney general make a determination and you spent 20 years as a judge and you're perfectly content with justices being afraid for their children's lives. And you did nothing to prosecute. Senator Josh Hawley asked for Garland's thoughts on that FBI field office memo, which painted Orthodox Catholics as, quote, radical traditionalist Catholics. Are you cultivating sources and spies 
in Latin mass parishes and other Catholic parishes around the country? No, the Justice Department does not do that. It does not um, um, do investigations based on religion. I saw the document you have. What did you do about it? It's appalling. It's appalling. At the White House, Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre was asked if Biden was aware of the aforementioned memo. So, I, look, I have not seen this leaked document. I have not spoken to the president. I haven't seen it, so therefore I haven't spoken to the president about it, so I just don't want to get ahead uh, of, of that. And now this. Check out this headline at Fox News. Drag queen for Forces child to leave class for denying 73 genders. School teaches anal sex to 11-year-olds. The story details how a sex ed class at a school on the Isle of Man in the UK has been suspended after a drag queen who was teaching the class asked a student to leave because that student stated their belief there are only two genders. The report also says the drag queen taught children as young as 11 how oral and anal sex work and also taught how skin grafts are used in meatball surgery surgeries to give women a fake penis. 500 residents signed the petition condemning the class and its teacher, which resulted in the suspension. Back in the States, here's Dick Levine. March is National Nutrition Month, and the Biden-Harris administration is taking action to support public health by offering evidence-based guidance on nutrition. Good news, Mississippi has become the latest state to ban chemical castration and meatball surgery for minors in the name of gender identity. Here's Governor Tate Reeves. Fundamentally, this is a war on objective scientific truth, and it's a fight over basic biology. No child in Mississippi will have these drugs or surgeries pushed upon them. This stops today. We are taking a stand for all of our children. And now this, New York City Mayor Eric Adams. We are destroying our next generation. We need to build a world that's better for our children. No, we need to build children that's better for our world. Brit was so right. Don't tell me about no separation of church and state. State is the body, church is the heart. You take the heart out of the body, the body dies. When we took prayers out of schools, guns came into schools. Learning Chinese today, today's raises, even a blind clock finds the occasional squirrel twice a day. And that's what happened while we were away. All right, so I, I want to table that Eric Adams clip until tomorrow. Because it's going to get its own nice. segment on uh, the Dace Group. We've already, I've already planned out the agenda for that on tomorrow's show. Our colleague Aaron McIntyre will be our guest panelist tomorrow. And so that, that Eric Adams clip, I find that fascinating on multiple levels. And I wanted to give it its own conversation. So we're going to do that on the Dace Group tomorrow. As I was watching your montage, Aaron, it, a thought occurred to me that the story that of, of the parents signing the petition to not have that, I mean, I, you're talking about stuff that would make Sodom and Gomorrah blush, guys. You're talking about stuff that would make Sodom and Gomorrah blush. I mean, those poor saps at Sodom and Gomorrah, they just wanted to have the gay orgies that Anthony Fauci says were, said were A-OK to do during the lockdowns. Right. So if you were attending a George Floyd funeral or a gay orgy, remember Anthony Fauci said, yes. then you were totes cool to be out of your home uh, during the worst pandemic of yes. all time. Remember, I, so I mean, those, those, those poor saps at Sodom and Gomorrah, I, I sort of feel as if um, aligning them 
with the things that we are witnessing going on in our culture today is, is, is frankly unfair to them. I mean, I, I mean, they, they, it's just, yeah. they, they just wanted to rape adult men. I mean, they had some level of restraint. It's Dennis Miller's old adage. I'd call them scumbags, but that would give a bad name to bags of scum. Yes. I mean, they, they just wanted to rape adult men. All right. So, um, I mean, I'm, it's it's almost election season. So aren't we all about the lesser of two evils now? Right. So, I, you know, I mean, I guess pedo groom. You know what? Let's play that game. Got to vote. Only have two choices. It's a binary choice. Sodom and Gomorrah, we only rape adult men. Pedo groomers, we just rape every living being. Mentally, physically, soulfully, or otherwise. Got to vote! And God will hold you accountable for that vote. If, you, if you're consistent with that message, you might be invited to CSPAC, yeah. I, that might be the speech I should give at CPAC. In, in, in defense, Dr. Strangelove, how I learned to relax and start loving the lesser of two evils. Indeed. And it, by the way, we are five minutes away from that choice. That long? I, I mean, <laughs> maybe 10 or 15, maybe not five. But it ain't an hour. It ain't an hour. Tick, I know that. Tick, tick. Indeed. All right. That, that aside. Okay. Um. This is stuff that makes Sodom and Gomorrah blush. And as I asked you yesterday, and I'll ask it again, what would every other generation of Americans, regardless of socioeconomic status, religiosity, or political affiliation, how would every other generation of Americans responded to a news story like that? In fact, let's put a betting proposition on it, will you? Are you taking sign a petition or the field? What do you think, guys? Sign a petition or the field of options on that if one? If by the field, you mean Mr. T saying... Pain. I mean, I'm that's not, what, I'm not, yeah. we're not itemizing what it means, Todd. We're just, um, we're just, that's just me projecting. Yes, Sorry. that's you. That's you. And send, uh, that's Todd Erzin if you're over at the NSA, but you already knew that. <laughs> okay. Let's see. We, we give every other previous generation of Americans, every option is on the table and it's the field of options. And then a carve out for sign a petition, sign a petition or the field. What do you think? Yeah, so do I. Anyway, in many respects, that is the same story, or at least it's connected to what Cruz and Hawley um, and Mike Lee are questioning the Attorney General of the United States about. Here's why. In your community, like our, our colleague, our beloved colleague, Sarah Gonzalez, we all adore her. Right. She lives down there in the DFW Metroplex area and she's going to war against the pedo groomer community down there. Right. Yeah. Going to war. God bless her. We love her for it. OK. Even there in, in that blue area of allegedly red Texas, um, 
where they were arresting women that own hair salons for daring to uh, daring to open during the virus, right? Okay, yes. even even there, all right. Where where is that, which county is that in the DFW? I can't remember, but it was one of the maybe it's even Dallas, Dallas County. Dallas. Yes, mm-hmm. it was one of the last counties I think in the entire state to get rid of the mask mandate. I think they still have one in Austin, actually. I just, um, but that'll be a forever war. Um, so even there, if they put on the ballot. By popular referendum, you have to allow your kids to get hairy, nutsacked, teabagged by pedo groomers who all ought to be rounded up and put on trial. I don't believe it would pass. In fact, I don't think it'd even be close. Now, I think it'd get like maybe 30% of the vote. But I mean, I think that would look very much like what Ron DeSantis did to the state of Florida last year, even there. So so why are these sorts of things happening around the country? People aren't consenting to this. They're not they're 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 even bypassing the spirit of the age had this other had this previous process. Boy, those were the days I missed those shows. Remember the days when we first started doing this for a living 15 years ago and it was all about how they were going to use unelected judges to impose all this stuff on us. Remember those yes, days? Yes, I do. Oh, gosh, you could just vote Republican for better justices and our judges would countermand yours. Remember theirs? Remember those days? It was a simpler time. Adorable. Yes, it was. Five years ago. Um, they're just... The entire governmental process... In fact, you actually... You, a lot of us did do that. And fairly successfully. And, and even got the likes of Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, who have been colossal disappointments overall as justices on the court so far. You even got them to overturn Roe. And notice that the other side didn't run in the next election on, we've got to, you got to vote Democrat for better justices. They just sent the mobs to their homes. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We're, we're just, we're bypassing. The social compact is broken. It is broken. Our forefathers, because they viewed the social compact broken, that's what no taxation without representation meant, that we're, we are Englishmen, we are English gentlemen. We are afforded representation by law, going all the way back to our traditions of the Magna Carta 300 years ago at the time. You're, we're not Americans. You're denying us what English common law says we have a right to, representation, agency. You're telling us we don't have it. And they, 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 they called themselves Americans once the crown made it clear it was no longer going to view them as Englishmen. In that, in, that, in that battle, our forefathers were the ones that said, therefore, since the social compact is broken, we will not fight you as gentlemen. We will not go out into the fields, out into the open fields. We will, of course, have breakfast. Uh, The shooting will begin at 10. We'll all line up. Okay. Uh, The shooting begins at 10. Uh, We break at 1030 for tea. Uh, Then we shoot again for another half hour or so. We break for lunch. Right. And then we just see who's standing after lunch and decide whether to go on. We're not doing that. There's more of you. You're better trained. We're kind of a ragtag group here. So we're going to hide in the trees. And shoot you all in the back, like whenever we want. And sometimes at night. 
because the social compact is broken. So therefore, we are not going to afford these rules of engagement. We're not going to accommodate you with these any longer. We will not comply. In our era, it is the people attempting to break our way of life that have done this. You know, we we claim as conservatives, we are conserving. Well, before there was a constitution, there was, yeah, I like wars better when you die and not me. So we're going to go with the plan that makes that happen. And that's how you got to a constitution. They recognized the social compact was broken. Didn't violate the laws of nature and nature's God. Like we didn't like, you know, like the scene in the Patriot. We weren't the ones locking redcoats into churches and burning them in there alive. But if it's a war, then it's a war. We will, short of violating the laws of nature and nature's God, we will do whatever it takes to win. Because the social compact is broken. We're not going to accommodate you on that level any longer. This is what they have done to us. First, they broke it when they just bypassed the entire legislative process and went right to edicts from judges for a generation. And they made sure before they did that, they invaded the law schools to change what terms like stare decisis and precedent and all those, sort, all those things meant. They got rid of the natural law. They got rid of Blackstone. They brought in the legal positivists. They brought in the progressivism. So they, so they, they seeded the law schools with their demonic ideology, got those people in positions on benches around the country, all the way to the highest levels, and created a ruling class that circumvented the actual ruling class, the people. And this was very successful for a generation. Took us a while to catch up. And yes, I, I, there have been some very disappointing judicial nominees from Trump, especially if you are a January 6th prisoner. There's also been some excellent ones at the exact same time. And so we've seen Roe v. Wade overturned. We've seen religious freedom defended fundamentally on a couple of different cases, right? And so now they've realized, okay, like the courts still might tilt to our advantage, but, it, but, but you have to understand on their side, they, the advantage is determined by dominance. Like the idea that you can't exist is how they determine advantage. Like the idea of contemplating you and your existence is anathema in this area. That's how they determine advantage. Not that we win more than you do. It's that you don't exist. This is the deal. The, the social compact over there for th- that they offer us now is you proverbially slur- slit your throat or we will do it for you. That's, that's the offer now. You slit your throat or we'll just do it for you. I mean, just kind of whatever, however you want to bleed out. But this ends with a bleed out. Metaphorically speaking. So now that, you know, after a few decades of voting for Mitt Romney's and John McCain's and Bush's and getting nowhere, you've, you put in an outsider and Trump finally got at least somewhere and started making an actual dent in their hegemony over the judicial branch, including the smashing of their ultimate shibboleth Roe v. Wade, the OG of their idols. So their answer is not to say, let's double down now on the previous process of judicial fiat, they're just going to bypass judicial fiat now, and they're just going to impose it into you, upon you at the street level. We'll march on your judges' homes. The restaurant, bar, cafe right across the street from where you live or the school where your kids are at, we will assault them right there in your grill, and what will you do about it? 
they're now, the enemy now is the one acting as if the social compact is broken, which it is because he broke it. He broke it. We're over here behaving as if it still exists. We're the redcoats now. We're the ones like, guys, uh, we have elections. And can we at least count the votes maybe this time? Would that be okay? Uh, the, the actual votes. Can we get maybe a voter ID? We're out here fighting for uh, the ability to post on Twitter. They are literally dropping testicles into your kids' mouths. Literally. Literally doing this. D-E-A-C-E. They're literally doing this. Literally happening. And in all, and all over the country, including friggin' Texas. Literally just dropping a scrotum, a wrinkly scrotum, right on your kid's face. And we're over here like, um, how about a voter ID law? You know how much this drives me nuts. Okay, we're, we, are, we are the Redcoats. We're going to lose like this. We are following a process that no longer applies. So then what do we do? We have to change our premise, which requires a change of paradigm. Here is the new premise, and here is the new paradigm. Since it was by power, by the raw exercise of power, that they have imposed these things upon us, guess what it's going to take to get rid of them? I'm going to listen. I'm going to go to CPAC. And I'm going to listen to my favorite conservative speaker. And um, I'll buy the same book he's republished nine times since I started buying it in the 80s. And, but at first, I got to make sure I watch uh, Fox and Friends. Okay, we, we've been doing that one for, you know, since Bill O'Reilly was still relevant. How's that working out? Where are we at with that paradigm? Is it working it's, okay? It's all about persuasion, Poorly. right, Steve? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's only... So, so if by sheer exercise of raw power, meaning they just do the stuff they believe in without any consent at all, that's how we got here. It will there, therefore be by the sheer exercise and taking of power that we will get things back. That is the new paradigm. That is the new premise. That's why I got so frustrated when someone sent me a note, was it a couple of weeks ago on Feedback Friday? Hey, we took over control of our state party. What do we do? do we, you know, and I, looked, I said, don't you dare not exercise that power. I want the 1812 overture. I want mushroom clouds, body bags, metaphorically speaking. They're going to say and write all the same. Don't be a Republican. Be an American. They're going to write and say all the same damn things about you, whether you keep all but one, none of them, half of them, only get rid of one or two. You're a racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic bigot, no matter what you do. Earn the spite. Earn it. Feed off of it. Be fueled by it. Just like we don't believe in cheap grace around here, Mr. Bonhoeffer, we also don't believe in cheap spite. Nah. Earn it. Make them bleed. Here's the new paradigm. You bleed now. Metaphorically speaking. That's the new paradigm. You bleed. Fair trials and everything. Yep, absolutely. I mean, we're not going to violate the laws of nature and nature's God. We're not going to be vigilantes. We're not going to be posses. But we are actually going to use the power 
that our creator says we have and we must. And what is that ultimate power? Paul writes in Romans 13, that the point of government, God allows civil government for bringing the sword of righteousness against the evildoer. We will exercise that power. We will. And we will be fueled and we will feed off of your laments, complaints, cries, the wailing of your women, if you even know what those are anymore. They are doing things out of raw power. It will take the exercise, therefore, of lawful power and nothing short of that to stop them. Which brings us back to one of the ultimate prime directives of this show. We are not a nation of laws, and we never have been. We are a nation of political will, and we always will be. Stop bragging about being a silent majority. Frankly, it's a self-own. Wait a minute, you have the, you've got the numbers and you're letting this stuff happen? That's a self-own. We, we turn that into a prideful idol. That should be an embarrassment. We've got the numbers and they just do this to our kids in our own libraries, restaurants, neighborhoods, schools. Power is the new paradigm. The acquisition of power and the utilization of power. That is the paradigm. Otherwise, we the people is nothing. It's worse than a blog. It's a line on a Hallmark card. The new paradigm is power. You can purify the air in your home and get healthy, clean, fresh-smelling air that eliminates odors, kills mold and mildew, bacteria and viruses with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier that uses Oxy technology that helps to destroy pollutants in your home. And now you can get for whole home protection uh, the three-pack of the Thunderstorm Air Purifier, and they call it that because it gives you fresh, pure air that smells like what you smell after a thunderstorm. Uh, get the three-pack right now uh, for under $200. The three-pack for under $200, well below where the competitors in this space that probably aren't as good, uh, where they are priced, and they have free shipping as well. So under $200 and free shipping with the three-pack for whole home protection with a product that has gotten rave reviews from our audience since they came on board last year. All right. Uh, that is uh, EdenPureDeals.com is where you want to go. EdenPureDeals.com, put in the discount code Steve. Discount code Steve to get the three pack and the two, uh, for $200 off and which is under 200 bucks and free shipping. So the three pack for under 200 bucks, free shipping, it's yours with the promo code Steve at EdenPureDeals.com, promo code Steve. Let's welcome in a good friend of the show, Brian Festa from We the Patriots USA. It's good to see you again, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great, Steve. It's great to be back. 
So our audience, of course, has become very familiar with you guys over the last couple of years because uh, you have been one of the few firemen actually willing to run into the fire uh, over the last few years of uh, COVID fascism. And you guys have uh, won a lot of victories for people to that end. Now you're branching out to what is going on in East Palestine, Ohio, uh, with the train collapse or the train derailment there and then the explosion of the chemicals into the air and what that has done to the toxicity, to the air quality, to the water table, etc. Why have you guys decided to go ahead and take on this fight as well? And tell us about the fight that you're taking on here. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but from our organization's inception, actually, uh, protecting the environment uh, from chemical toxins, uh, that biological toxins, things like um, pesticides in our foods, uh, things like the government interfering with uh, independent farmers, uh, which we know they're doing, uh, our food supply, things like uh, 5G technology that is exposing people to unhealthy levels of radiation. All of those things have been concerns for us actually right from the start. And it's actually in our mission statement on our website since day one, we've had that in our mission statement. So this fits squarely within our mission. When we saw what was happening in East Palestine and saw that the government was lying to people. Big surprise there, right, Steve? Mm -hmm. uh, we, we said we have to step in because for some reason, I'm not quite sure why after what we've just seen for the last three years going on in this country, but for some reason, by and large, people still rely on the government to give them guidance as to their health and safety. And the government has been grossly negligent in this case. Uh, we have expert witnesses that we intend to bring forward. One of them is actually Kristen Megan Kelly, who has a podcast for us now called Vets and Visionaries airs every Wednesday on our Rumble channel and on our website. But um, she is a. By the way, Kristen is one of the is one of the witnesses that we interview in Rise of the Fourth Reich as well, by the way. That's so right. she has her That's own true. chapter in Rise of the Fourth Reich. But pardon me. Continue on. Yes. No, no, she does. And I've seen that. And um have my copy right over here. If I could, <laughs> I got a bunch of papers stacked on top of it, but it's actually right here in my office. Um, but yes, she's awesome. She's an industrial hygienist. She has years and years of ex experience. She actually was trained by the government when she was in the Air Force to go and do testing when there were things like this train derailment. She has literal experience testing envi for environmental toxins after train derailments. So we couldn't have a better expert witness, but we have additional experts as well that we're gonna call forth. And uh, the things that were released into the atmosphere are just horrific. You know about it because obviously you pay attention to the truth, not the mainstream media, but things like vinyl chloride. Um, vinyl chloride uh, can have a greatly increased risk of um, liver cancer, um, lymphoma, leukemia. Just one pound of vinyl chloride released into the atmosphere can contaminate five acres to a level of two parts per, per million, which is well above OSHA's prescribed standard for prolonged human exposure. Guess how many pounds were released into the atmosphere? One million. Wow. From this derailment. One million pounds. That's just vinyl chloride. There's many other uh, toxicants that were released. Butyl acrylate, um, methyl hexyl acrylate. Uh, there's there's uh, benzene. I mean, I could go on and on and on. The the uh, carcinogens are carcinogenic toxicants. I'm trying to remember the exact terminology that Kristen's taught me um, that were released 
it's it, it's it's mind blowing. And you know, all during COVID, of course, you remember, Steve, we had to wear a mask, right? Well, we didn't, right? But they told they told us we had to wear a mask just to go to the grocery store, okay, or even outside. Wear a mask to be to go to wear a mask outside in June and July. Yes. Right. But yeah, here, but in East Palestine, Ohio, it's perfectly fine to just be out and about and, uh, you know, do whatever you want and drink water right out of the tap. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget. I was walking on a city street in Hartford, Connecticut and had someone yell at me because I wasn't wearing a mask in June, on a beautiful sunny day in June. And I looked at her. I said, are you crazy? Like, you really want me to be wearing a mask? But now when there's all these toxicants in the air, people are breathing them. They're saying, no, it's perfectly fine. And drink the water. Mike DeWine. Holds up the tap water, drink the water. Well, guess what? We sued Governor DeWine. We sued other local officials. We sued EPA officials in their individual capacities. And yes, we sued the EPA itself. We filed a federal lawsuit in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Ohio just this past Monday, uh, February 27th. If anyone wants to support that, because it's going to be an extremely expensive undertaking, we took from our donor reserves because of, I just, if I can, I want to take just a second to thank your listeners, because they have been incredibly generous. And without uh, donors like your listeners, we would not have been able to bring this emergency action. We had reserves in our litigation fund because people donate to us every month and people, including you, uh, have donated to us. And because we had that money, we were able to put it towards this lawsuit and file it. So we are so grateful. However, that was just to initially get it filed. We obviously have a, a very big expense ahead of us. So actually on our homepage at wethepatriotsusa.org, there is a fundraiser if you want to support this litigation and help the people not only of East Palestine, help the people of Pennsylvania, New York, all of the, anyone who lives downwind and downstream mm -hmm. of this is going to be affected by this for years to come. I think you're going to see the biggest mass tort action that we've seen in our lifetimes. In my opinion, Steve, this is the worst chemical disaster on American soil in our lifetimes. Tell us about your client, Jessica Miller. Yes, Courtney, actually. Or Courtney, Courtney Miller, I'm sorry. Courtney I apologize. Miller. Yep. No, that's all right. She is a resident of East Palestine and uh, owns a home there, actually, in East Palestine. And she lives just about 100 yards from the derailment site. She heard the screeching metal on metal and said, that is not what I usually hear when the train goes by, um, and heard the crash. And she was there when they released this this plume. Um, this is uh, she's been experiencing very severe health effects uh, with her with regard to her breathing, her voice. She's even she was on Tucker Carlson, I think, about a week ago, and you could hear she's like, "I'm losing my voice over mm -hmm. this. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm raspy." Um, there's been reports of dogs getting sick, um, dead animals, dead fish, uh, vomiting, you know, diarrhea. Just I don't want to get into all the specific symptoms everybody's been experiencing, but these are the reports we're getting. And Kristen, Megan, and, and our colleague Tammy Clark actually went live to the scene on Monday after the press conference. They filmed a whole bunch of footage that's going to be released on Monday in our episode of Vets and Visionaries, on our, again, on our Rumpel channel, our website. Um, but um, this is when you see this footage, and I encourage you and everyone listening to, to look at it, your, your mind's going to be blown that this has been covered up by the mainstream media. And um, she went right down to the water in the pouring rain. I, I saw some of the footage already. Kristen's reporting there live, showing the waterways, showing what she's observing on the ground. And they were there for only a few hours, I think four hours. By the time they drove out of there, they were their throats were burning. They were having trouble breathing. Hmm. Um, it, it's just it, it's incredible to me. That anyone can think this is safe. And once again, again, big surprise. The government's lying to us. Well, when the government lies to us, 
Our organization exists to hold them accountable and to get justice for the people that are oppressed by those lies. What's the benign innocent explanation for why Greta Thunberg, every environmental activist group celebrity on planet Earth, this would this this reminds me of the Vegas shooting, the, the Las Vegas mass shooting. We have a white male turn a hotel room into a sniper's nest on the Vegas Strip, uh, and uh, and with all forms of high level tactical equipment and everything else. I mean, this is like a commercial for gun control, basically. And he just unloads at the worst, ma- and he's a white male, so you can say whatever the hell you want about him. And he unloads to, for the worst mass shooting in American history. If there was ever an event that would check every box that they have to justify all of the confiscation they've ever argued for, this would be it. It's like it was served on a platter for them. And yet that was in 2017. We don't have a motive. We don't know almost anything about the shooting, nothing. And no one seems remotely intellectually curious. Here we have a rural, you know, a, a rural working class part of Ohio that used to be very Democratic that in the Trump years has, has gone redder. Uh, these used to be people that voted Democratic because they cared about the working class against corporations that were willing to do things like this to their communities and treat them like chattel and and not take care of the uh, and conserve the environment in which they live. This would seem, again, just like with the Vegas shooting, Brian, to check every box of every commercial these people have ever ran or every talking point they've ever said on this issue. And yet, where are they? You t- your guess is as good as mine, to, to be honest. Um, you know, yeah, for years and years and years, environmental disasters was their thing, right? And I was on a Twitter space uh, about a week ago talking about this. And again, someone on the left was in that Twitter space talking about you guys are blowing this out of proportion. Exxon Valdez was much worse. And I'm like, how many human beings were killed or got cancer from Exxon Valdez? I mean, you're mentioning these other these oil spills and things, but you're you're just it's it's like everything. I was saying this the other day, actually, to someone that it's like every single issue now, every current event has to be left versus right. So if people on the more conservative side, like you and I, we start saying that we believe this is a real disaster and people are being harmed, they automatically, just by default, have to say the opposite. And and I think the last time, I don't want to get into the whole, you know, talk about 9-11, we could have a whole other show about that. But the last time I remember in my lifetime that people came together on an issue was after 9-11. Of course, we've, we know a lot more about that situation now than we did at the time. But at that time, I remember everybody left and right came together. There was nobody who was not together and unified. But that's the last time. And that was 22 years ago almost now. Um, it's just not like that anymore in America. And it's sad because we would stand up for anyone. It doesn't say on our website, if you're a conservative and you stand up to tyrants, we stand up for you. It just says, when you stand up to tyrants, we stand up for you. And that's our slogan. That's our motto. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your political party you're affiliated with. If you're being harmed by the government or if your civil rights, your constitutional rights are being violated, we will stand up for you. Um, but unfortunately, uh, there's there's people that just, um, again, they have to make everything political. Brian, one more time, if, uh, if, you, if our audience wants to get involved in helping Courtney with this case and the statement uh, that she is trying to make, how can they do that? Uh, we the Patriots USA.org, we have the Ohio, Ohio Derailment Mitigation Fundraiser 
right there on our homepage. You can't miss it. Uh, you can make a donation, any amount. I don't care if it's even a dollar. If thousand, if a thousand people gave a dollar, that would be a thousand dollars, you know, right away that, that would have towards it. So that would be wonderful. But whatever you can give, any amount is greatly appreciated. And by the way, we are also a plaintiff. We don't always join litigation as a plaintiff, but as an organization, we felt so strongly about this. We are actually the lead plaintiff. This is We the Patriots USA versus the United States EPA. If you look at the case caption, Courtney Miller joined us as a plaintiff, but we are also a plaintiff because we need to take a stand for all of the people uh, in that region who will be affected for, unfortunately, I think what is going to be years to come. We the Patriots Thanks again, Brian. Always good to see you, brother. Take care. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Todd, you remember how we used to joke on this show that evangelical Protestants went in the Kennedy era from not wanting to vote for a Catholic because he might listen to the Pope to in you and I's era only wanting to vote for Catholics that would listen to the Pope? Well, until current, until the current one. Sure. Actual yeah, Pope. Of course. Okay, yeah. I mean, just how things end up changing as time goes on, right? Yeah. I thought about that listening to this, okay? So we're going to be the ones wanting to know when are we going to punish this greedy, this evil, greedy corporation mm-hmm. for what it has done to these people and their homes and their environments? Yeah, and where is the environmental movement? States like Mississippi, which were the places that the that they once targeted for scopes trials to get rid of creation out of the schools because they were flat earthers. They didn't understand science. Right. OK. States like Mississippi are now the places that are defending science like you can't uh, meatball surgery and island of Dr. Moreau, our children. Right. It. it it is, we're the ones saying, hey, does, is no one curious at all about why this uh, evil white guy with all this uh, high-end artillery opened up fire on the Vegas Strip? Shouldn't we? I, is, is, you know what I'm talking about? How this is, this is, this is what, this is signs of a demonic era. Okay. There, it's a truthless society. It, it, there is no point to people's agendas other than the raw acquisition of power. And so even if an event line comes in that seems to line up with my agenda, if I'm not certain that I can turn that into my advantage for the acquisition of power, yeah. then I, I don't have any interest in it whatsoever. Yeah, I know you want to say something. I Just really quickly, I was thinking the exact same thing. Whether these things, these accidents are truly accidents or they're more of a Wuhan lab lab, uh, lab uh, accident. What is certain by now to me is what you just said. It's all an opportunity to go full Rahm Emanuel to see what they can get away with by either in this case, ignoring you or in other cases, dialing things up 11 and making you the biggest racist ever. I mean, everything everything because there is no agreed upon morality is an exercise in dominating you yep yep there's a very specific line or a very clear line i believe that you can draw from this story to what we're about to talk about in a nefarious plot chapter six a very clear line there's a very specific worldview issue at play here that I think explains why this incident, accident, whatever you want to talk about it, why it's gone down the way that it has. And without giving it away, I think I think we'll have. I I, I want to see if, if you guys agree with me, uh, beginning beginning to begin with. But it's we're talking about political things. They, they you know these are white hillbillies in Ohio, in Ohio. They don't care about them. That might be true, mm-hmm. but there's even more 
uh, more nefarious, if you will, worldview reason why this has gone down the way to, that it has uh, for the stage of the society that we're in right now. In general, I think that's a yes on virtually everything. Yeah. There is a larger drama at play. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are watching spiritual warfare in America take place right out in the open now. Right out in the open, not behind the veil, not in the, in, within the darkness, um, not in principalities, but literally on your screens every day. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. And you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, and Instagram, uh, you c- and TikTok as well. And then you can find me on Truth Social, and you got to really look to find me there. Uh, at Real Steve Dace is where you can find me on Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social, as Mark Zuckerberg and Donald Trump race each other to see who can more aggressively uh, shun and censor my content. Is there literally anywhere one else in America? I just love this. Okay. Uh, people are like, why do you bring that up so many? I mean, are you, are you like whining? No, you, you don't understand the way my ego works. It's not that I don't have a prodigious ego. Oh, I do. It's just it doesn't work the way that it does for a lot of other males in this era. I love, I love poking and prodding people and watching uh, when I know I'm right and then watching them know that I'm right. And so since they can't beat me in an argument, it's best just to try to pretend I don't exist and to, and to take the time out of their schedules and to program their algorithms specifically for what, according to today, iTunes says is the 48th rated podcast, which is a great, that's great. That's a pretty big audience, right? But how can we be that much of a threat? We're not eight, we're 48, Okay. You know, and, and, and dude, we were nothing five years ago. So I'm extremely grateful for that. We've grown a lot. But what is it so what is so unique about this show? Ask, the, ask the New York Times. Exactly. I, I who, who in 2015 sent a features writer to my home for several days, spent several days in Des Moines interviewing me. Family members even gave her, Jackie Calms was her name, even gave her access to my mom to interview her. I have the feature framed, by the way. It's framed in my man cave. So this did happen. I I have it. So in 2015, the New York Times sent a features writer to my home to feature and profile me. I've now had not one, but two bestsellers that the New York Times has failed to acknowledge or refuse to. And it's not because they don't know who I am, but because they do. See, that... Oh, yes. That feeds my ego. I don't want Matt Schlapp to ever invite me to speak at CPAC. You have it backwards. I don't. 
I want to have a third bestseller without any of his help. I want that instead. I want the satisfaction of knowing that I know that he knows. And he knows that I know. And I know that he knows that I know that he knows. That he's just a sellout puss. That's that, folks. I know you're not used to this. Men are in short supply in America today. But see, it's those instincts that built your railroads and your assembly lines and your cities. Not, can I have a seat at the table and what do you want me to say when you give it to me? That didn't, that didn't build anything you take for granted around here. That is what feeds my ego. And these guys can tell you that. I'm really not humble. That's a struggle for me as it is for almost any man with any natural talent or ability at all. It's just my ego isn't satisfied with a lot of the stuff that a lot of the other people you're accustomed to following and watching and listening is satisfied with. I don't give a crap about it, most of that other stuff. You know what I like? Winning. You know what's a bigger win than taking the stage at CPAC? Never having to. <laughs> that is a much, much bigger win. How did I even get on this? Do you know? Doesn't matter. And it, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's right. Flag planted. Indeed. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Oh, I was pointing out. I must be the only person in America that both Donald Trump's algorithm and Mark Zuckerberg's, alg- Mark Zuckerberg's algorithm are bound and determined to, uh, to, to, uh, to silence. So... That's actually what it was. Meanwhile, you beg him, literally beg him and his people to do the things that will improve his chances yes. of winning and thus hopefully helping the country. And because I don't care. Keep, I don't care yeah. what they think about me. I don't, I don't care if I never get an invite to Maryland. I don't care, guys. I, don't, I'm li- I live in Iowa. Leave me the hell alone. All right? I live in Iowa on purpose. <laughs> All right? Not on accident. By choice. I just want to have, I just want to, I, I just, you know, I, I want my family to bury me. That's it. That's all I want. And as I don't care if we can't stand each other, if you are good for the future for my kids. I don't care. I don't need a buddy. I don't need that. I don't need you to like me. I just need you to do a good job. We don't ever have to like each other. We don't. And just because we do, if I don't think you're good at your job, no. I, I, I mean, I, I love Ted Cruz to death. I don't think there's a window for him to run for president. So I told him that. They'll t- again, you guys will attest to this. You have been with me for how many years now? Going on, what is this going to be? Eight, the eighth year you guys have worked yeah. for me? Yeah. How much does the regard of personal relationships, pro or con, factor into the decisions I make? Oh, it's I not mean, a never. Like I'm a, no, human. I mean, at, it, the, at the highest, I'd say you know, ten percent. Yeah. So, so. But it's that's a, it's good. A, that's a good answer. You yeah. don't want it to be zero. Yeah, because I'm I am still a human being yes. somewhere, somewhere. But really, it it has. It, well, I should rephrase that. Relationships actually are high on my list. They're just not with any of these people. My wife, my that's, kids, you, and the audience. That's my point. Yeah. What's best for you guys? I think about that all the time. But in terms of ingratiating myself to the, the, the larger movement, I, I don't care about any of that. I, I live in Iowa. If I'd cared about that, I wouldn't still live in Iowa. So, oh, 
Don't forget, if you are a podcast listener, please leave us a five-star review, hit subscribe or follow. Uh, and thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. I am told, I don't know how, because I'm 50 now or will be later this year. So this is beyond my ability to grasp. It is true. You do reach a certain age and it's like you can't learn new stuff. I'm noticing that. Like, it's just like, you're right. I, it, or, or is it that I don't want to? Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I've learned enough now. Somebody yeah. younger than me who, who has some headspace still left, you figure that out and tell me what to do with it, right? All right, so I don't know how that happens. I'm just told that it does. So thank you to all of you that have pleased the algorithmic gods by giving us a five-star review and hitting subscribe or follow. All right, let's get to Theology Thursday as we continue our series, looking back painfully so. Leading up to the release of the movie Nefarious, coming up in 43 days. 43 days. And depending on where you live around the country, by the way, this weekend, you may see our trailer, the first trailer. Another one is coming in a couple of weeks, and it is... You guys have seen the rough draft of the, of the trailer that's coming. It's outstanding. The trailer that's coming is going to rock your world, okay? Um, and I mean, the first trailer is pretty good, but this next one is... Yeah, it's going to rock your world. But you, you may see the first trailer for Nefarious in theaters around the country as soon as this weekend in front of, and boy, is this not. <laughs> this, this is actually a perfect summation of our film, of who we're marketing it to, but who the movie is actually for. All right. So you may see the first trailer for Nefarious in, movies or in theaters across the country this weekend in front of Jesus Revolution. And cocaine bear. And that if that's if that is not if that doesn't just give you a complete picture of what is coming. All right. The 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 movie is gonna look and feel like what they want. Hence, when they see the trailer in front of Cocaine Bear, they're gonna be like, oh, that looks dope. Okay. But the worldview of the movie is gonna be totally like what you want. Okay. Hence, we put it in front of Jesus Revolution as well. All right. And I like how it's for the exact same reasons that it's there. Yeah. You went to Jesus Revolution. You should see Nefarious. On the other hand, dude, you went to Cocaine Bear. <laughs> yeah. You need to see Nefarious. Yes. So that then one day you will want to go see Jesus Revolution. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. So let's continue the study on Theology Thursday of a Nefarious Plot, the book that inspired the film. And the chapter, we're now in the, in the nuts and bolts of Nefarious's vision. He is laying out in painstaking detail uh, the actual plan that he used to destroy America. And this week, and each, each one of these chapters here in the bridge of the book is named after a facet of his plan. So we had debt two weeks ago. We had dunces this week. We have decay this week. And I'm going to start really quick and then hand it over to you guys. Mm -hmm. um, the analogy that the High Lord of Hell uses to describe America in its current state, he, he describes it, uh, he, he, or he, uh, anal he analyzes it, whatever. Uh, he compares it um, to the latter final stages of the old Soviet Union. And Todd, remember when you and I were kids, Growing up in the, the, we didn't know this was the, the end of the Cold War. We didn't know that yet. But, you know, we'd always see on May 1st every year, the, the, all of our networks would show the file footage of the, of the Soviet May Day parades, mm -hmm. right? And so when you were, and I were really little, it was landed. Brezhnev would up be there with the, with the hat, okay, overseeing this mass display of military power on May Day through uh, Leningrad Square, right? Yeah. Or Red Square, I should say, in Leningrad. And then it would be, uh, 
Well, then they kept dying, like Yuri and drop off. They had like they had like five or something premieres. They went that, a couple, yeah, yeah, that just kept dying. On there was a classic line from Reagan in that era when they were asking him why he had not had a summit with the Soviet Union yet, and he said, "Well, I'd love to, but all their premieres keep dying on me or something, right?" And then the final one, of course, was uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. And what we now know, what we now know is is they were literally by this stage as we get into the the mid to late 80s they are literally paper macheing these things together the, the, their economy has inwardly collapsed uh, we just don't know it yet because it's still a command economy so they can still force goods and uh, to be produced and people to produce them at a certain level but that's just not perpetually um, you know, uh, something you can uh, or perpetually reconcilable. Eventually, you the can't bill comes to command it indefinitely. Indefinitely, yes. And so we, but in 1985, 86, you know, we'd be we, and, and it looked like, wow, I mean, these guys could just blow us to Mars, right? We had no idea that it was really like Fred Flintstone piling in the tanks with the bare feet on the ground to make them. I mean, it, they this thing was internally dead dead, and that Mikhail Gorbachev did not bring Perestroika to the Soviet Union to save it, but because it was already dying. Right? He wasn't trying to evolve it. it was, he was just looking at the reality. If we, we have to see if, see if our people take a half measure of freedom to still, stay tethered, to still stay tethered to some form of Sovietism because our original image or vision can't, isn't, is, is done here. We're at that stage, right? And that's where Nefarious says the United States is. That we have all these technological advancements, all these accoutrements on the outside, and he says that uh, that reinforce, like with the Soviets, our, quote, myth of Soviet superiority. But in reality, this whole thing is a house of cards, just waiting for a little nudge to tip it all over. It does sort of feel that way at times now. I mean, this was this was written in the summer of 2015. It does. So what? Eight and a half or seven and a half years ago now. It, that does sort of feel it sort of does feel this fragile now, doesn't it? More? It's not, there's no sort of about it, which is what I talk about all the time. It's actually worse, Steve, uh, because we have bigger, better, brighter paint to cover things up these days. Our bread and circuses are way better than the Soviet Union had. Yeah. That's the problem. Why do you, this is why I pull my hair out all the time about our comfort. It's it's so shiny. It's so bright. Yet we are so gutted, per what you just said, uh, day after day after day. The latest video of the tranny that is has a child, a child, like a toddler, that they are straddling. And no cops are showing up. Yeah. This... The Soviet Union is what were you saying earlier on the show about the uh, Sodom and Mark and Gamora called and gave you the Jonah Hill gif? Yeah. Hey, man, we were just trying this to is, we were just trying to rape adults here. Yes. Why do you think this is where uh, Putin, when he thinks he needs to pull it out every once in a while, he's like, um, yeah, guys, complain about us all we want. I, I, we know what men and women are. Have you seen? He rolls tape. He rolls tape. All right. Back. Back. Everybody wanted uh, American rock and roll, blue jeans. You know, that was our superpower. Now, they're like, um, yeah, I don't think... Putin doesn't even worry about that anymore. They've got rock and roll and blue jeans now, too. He says that they're just actually preying on their children mm -hmm. in their schools. 
So yeah, and the level of chaos that allows that, that has just become our currency. We just like, yeah, we can't, one plus one, I don't know, who knows? I feel judgy if I tell you. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's amazing. And at the end, when you go through the seven uh, deadly worldviews. Which we'll talk about here in a minute, yeah. And at the end, you ultimately talk about, the, here's, the, here's the victory of chaos. They have anoint, anointed nature, environmentalism, Gaia worship to, to, to the highest order of things. Yet simultaneously, e even if you don't believe it in a God way, mankind, through whatever reason you want to talk to, look at what he's done as an accident. Look at his, look at his brain. It's still, isn't that still the pinnacle of achievement? Mm-hmm. But you can, you don't, you're not even in, you're not even coherent. And you point this out within your own worldview. Look at how you have belittled man, how man and woman, you can't even tell what a man and woman is anymore. It's our, our brains aren't capable of dealing with that. We car, we, we need to carve each other up to get. Because to, all of this is, as you call it, God killer stuff. Yes. Everything in the agenda. Feminism wasn't about elevating femininity. It was about killing God. Which is why now that women are being replaced by actual men, the feminists are nowhere to be found. That, ex that explains why um, when there's a real natural disaster in East Palestine, Ohio, we're nowhere to be found. Uh, Greta Thunberg's never protested in Beijing, okay, the worst polluter on planet Earth, because this isn't about, it's not about the environment. It's about God killer stuff. Yeah. Whatever, whatever allows us to say, ye be like God, all right? Messing with the human immune system, messing with the human reproductive system, uh, messing with the uh, with human beings, even post creation and, and saying, no, we'll remake man into our own image or women or nothing into our own. Well, Dylan Mulvaney, the entire culture, this that's what this is. It's not leftism, communism. Those are all fronts for what it really is. What it really is, is the is the original lie. Ye be like God. This is all god killer stuff period and that's why what's happening here as it applies to america and the long play blind of areas to take it out in the past utopian sensibilities have always been disappointed but there there has almost always been a road to hell is mm. paved with good intentions right. like we we are going to build the perfect mousetrap kind of thing here the utopia is designed to be dystopian mm -hmm. from the get the chaos must happen they don't want Order. Order, in some way, always reflects the Godhead. Yeah. Disorder Agreed. does not. I completely agree. That, that's why, if you can look at, well, how come they didn't get involved in the Vegas shooting? How come they don't care about East Palestine, Ohio? How come they don't care about women's sports? Anything that doesn't put them in a position to play God killer, they're against. Period. So, Rick Grinnell can have the highest level of office of any homosexual in American history. He, I mean, he might as well be Mike Pence, not even wanting to live, to meet alone with women because he's, he's not affirming their God killer status while he himself lives a life in open defiance of God. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, that's because that's what it's about. If you don't, if this doesn't align us to be in a position, no matter what your identity is, what your sin is, what your political ideology is, your religious association is or isn't, if you don't help align with our interest of killing God, 
We're back to Malthus. We're we're back to Nietzsche. This is the same. This has really been a, a, a th- going on a third century battle within Western civilization. If you don't align with our God killer agenda, then it, then none of your other identities or associations matter. You're the other. Period. Unless you think that's just Steve's interpretation. We, there's a video that was out within the last several months. We may have ran it on the show. I just don't remember. But it it was a woman of this uh, on a libs of TikTok video who was expressly saying, it's not enough to be gay anymore. You're not our ally if you're just gay. You have to be queer. And she spelled out what that means. And it basically is interchangeable with the term chaos. Mm-hmm. They're agents of chaos. Nefarious says in this chapter the, the, that in order to uh, put you in this situation of decay, they had to destroy the three areas that would be the most conducive to pushing back against them. And so that he gets into and he itemizes this with stuff that seems trite. That's the statistics he points out from that I wrote in 2015 seem trite compared mm-hmm. to where we are today. Right. But the first and foremost, the destruction of the family. Obviously, check, check um, the watering down and impotency of the of the church as a as a unit as an in, on an institutional corporate institutional level check in the country check lack of agency within the political system so that no one would dare represent your interests actively for fear of essentially being shunned or banished from society because you're well deplorables check. And so now that all those three things are there, the decay is on. It cannot be pushed back because you don't have, you don't have the moral foundational standing that you get from a family. You don't have the the theological, philosophical plumb line that the, the church would establish. Um, and then you lack the ability even, if, and if you do have the rare family and belong to the rare church in the culture that still instilled those things in you and equips you along those lines and encourages you, you now don't have the political agency to act on those things. Anyway, so you're, you're impotent, you're muted. That's exactly what probably a lot of people in this audience feel right now, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't matter if I vote at all. Well, they even count my vote. And then if my vote does count and the guy I wanted to wins, will he just render that vote moot null and void when he gets into office anyway by just betraying me repeatedly. And so now you're in a state of decay. Now, here's the thing to understand about a state of decay. It is not a permanent status. The decay is a preparation status. Let me repeat that. It is not a permanent status. It is a preparation status. It is the destabilizing of the previously installed biblical worldview, Judeo-Christian worldview, the destabilizing of that with the intent of putting you through the paces of a different and a preparation for a new worldview to come. And that destabilization process, that decline, that decay takes part in several different stages. And this is where we get to the seven different, the seven deadly worldviews. So you see this right away. The very first one, Gnosticism, the idea that you can't possibly know God. He holds back on you. He doesn't want you to know him. Or only special people get to. And you see this right away in the garden when the enemy says, God's jealous of you. He doesn't want you to become like him. He's holding out on you. You see this uh, contemporary example within the church is Andy Stanley right now. And he's been doing this for years, but basically what he's teaching is a form of Gnosticism. I've got this special knowledge about we need to go back to the way the early church did things as if the Bible was not enough. Yes. That's basically what that sounds like within the quote unquote church. 
And of course, it's his interpretation of what the the early church, by the way, if you want to go back to what they were doing, they were beyond rigid about discipleship. Like they threw people out of church. Like they were constantly getting infiltrated, all right, by the religious council of non-Messianic Jews and the Romans. So they literally just purged their member roles. I mean, if you weren't if you weren't living right. If you weren't involved, if you weren't studying the word, if you weren't listening to the apostolic teaching, if you weren't sharing, you got, I mean, you guys, you don't want to know what the early church was like, okay? Because I promise you, it wasn't the hippie commune that you're being sold today. It would make a, someone ripped off the church with a tithe once, lied to St. Peter to his face and was killed on the spot. Okay. If you like your catacombs, you can keep your catacombs. Exactly. I promise you. I promise you. You don't want to go back to the early church. No one in the sound of my voice has the balls for that. All right. Because it's nothing like what Andy Stanley's telling you it was. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, step two, legalism. Now we're going to have human tradition. Now that that the, uh, the supremacy of the word of God has been questioned. Well, did God really say something has to replace it? How does Eve respond? She's the first legalist. She responds and said, well, God said not to even touch the fruit. Is that what God said? No. He said, don't eat it. Didn't say anything about playing hacky sack with it, playing catch with it, smelling it. Didn't say anything. Just said, don't eat it. She's now added to the word of God. She has put her own spin on things, her own human tradition. And from that time forward now, it's on like Donkey Kong. Because we have, we have now, we have, we have now full-fledged embraced ye be like God. My, my moral traditions, uh, the 613 laws of Moses that God gave the Israelites, not enough. So we add to it based on what I think or my denomination thinks. That's legalism. Um, the next one, uh, you go to dualism. Now that we've replaced the supremacy of God, um, now that we have put ourselves in God's place, we now create this worldview that good and evil are basically equal. And we are the judges in the middle that will decide which one we will line up with. So now we've taken the sovereignty of God and removed it. God and the devil are co-belligerents. They're not. The closest example, a metaphor I could give you to the relationship of God and the devil in a pop culture parlance you'd, you'd understand, is Lex Luthor and Superman. Lex Luthor is cunning, brilliant. Superman flies in outer space without oxygen, okay? At any point in time, he could just grind him into dust. At any point in time. So Lex Luthor and Superman are not equals. Lex Luthor is Superman's nemesis. There's a difference between being a nemesis and being a co-belligerent. They're not equals. But dualism says they are. And, 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 and we choose which they are, which one we follow. Because we're the ones that are deciding what's true. We're the ones that are deciding what's good and what's evil. And we decide on our own completely whether we are on the side of good or evil. That's stage three. We get to stage four. And see, now that, now that we are the highest being, we need our own, our, no, our own origin. Since we're no longer going to acknowledge we're made in the image of God, and therefore he is supreme, and he is sovereign, we need our own origin now. And so now that brings us to naturalism, or we would call it in our era, Darwinism, even atheism. 
We're just random. And, and, and it's okay for us to assume these positions of supremacy because we're just random accidents of the cosmos. And we're at the top of the food chain. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. The next stage after we go there is now we need a moral ethic. Right? So we need, before we needed our own origin story, we have that now. Well, now it needs a, a moral ethic. This is, this is what Darwin did. He didn't just write Origin of Species. He realized, well, now that I've destabilized the, the Genesis account, then the morality that comes out of that, I need a new moral framework. So he wrote Descent of Man, too. And that's where he essentially comes up with his own, his own moral code in light of these, uh, the, the new knowledge that we're just now random natural occurrences. And this, this is what's called utilitarianism. Basically, it's Lord of the Flies. Um, or whatever, or it's the avoidance of suffering at all costs. Whatever causes the least amount of suffering is good, which can be a problem when you try to share a culture with that, if you're a believer, because your Lord is referred to in the Bible as the suffering servant. So kind of hard to worship a suffering servant as Lord in a culture that says suffering at all times is bad. Kill, listen, that baby's going to be born into a single parent household should kill it before it's ever born. That could, I mean, who'd want to grow up like that? That's terrible. Make every child a wanted child. Any of this sound familiar at all? A bit. We've gone through all these exits on the interstate, have we not? And so next, now you're like, okay, well, how are we going to figure out how to live together? We'll have syncretism. Everything is relative. Just put everything together, you know? I have my own truth. You have yours. Now, don't get me wrong. I get to impose my own truth on you. You never get to impose yours on mine. But this is essentially just, and you know. Lots of fig leaves. Lots of fig leaves, idols, full-on idolatry returns, popes tweeting this morning about social justice. That, that, that's that's what you get with syncretism. We're just, we're just woke evangelical churches. If you're not, a lot of you are following libs of TikTok. You need to follow woke preacher clips too, because that's any libs of TikTok is what happens because of woke preacher clips. If you understand what I'm saying, yes. woke preacher clips gave birth to what the phenomenon that's in libs of TikTok, and then you get to the final stage, which is secular humanism, where we have achieved our own final um, self-actualization, which is the final preparation for the new truth you will receive. This is where you've seen us move from secular to pagan, and now we are moving to the demonic. We are about to accept our new truth and bow to our new master. Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile gets to expand their already expanding company and and services offered now because you've made them one of the leaders in the parallel economy. They've got big news. Patriot Mobile can now offer you services with all the major networks out there. So if you have a current network, you know, like, for example, uh, where I live. For whatever reason, there are pockets in my neighborhood where U.S. Cellular sucks. I hear about it from my buddies that use U.S. Cellular and they come down to the basement for poker night and can't make their cell phones work, right? I mean, the network I was on for years, T-Mobile, worked for me everywhere I went in America except western Iowa. Just was dead out there. So they they all have pretty much 90% plus the same network, but... 
there's pockets of places where the reception's just not as good, and maybe you have felt stuck in the past no longer. Patriot Mobile can switch you whenever you want at no extra cost, and they do stuff for you because like that because they're really the last, well, American mobile phone company that is left. So no longer directly fund the people that hate you. Uh, instead, uh, give your money to a company that uses its profits to stand up for your values and defend your way of life instead. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. You get a free activation with the offer code Steve if you do that. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Free activation with the offer code Steve. Or take advantage of this offer at 878-PATRIOT. All right, we'll get to three non-political questions in a, in a moment. But I want to make sure I let you guys get a final thought on. I just went through a lot of material in a short amount of time on Theology Thursday. So I wanted to make sure you guys got to, got to chime in as well. Well, since we're talking about the book leading up to the movie, uh, I want to make sure I remind you once again that the, these seven deadly worldviews, uh, at, and at the very least, uh, dualism, syncretism, but th- th- this is embodied in my favorite scene in the entire movie. And I don't know in this genre of movies, uh, the, especially the, the ones that have a, a faith element of some kind, Steve, if it's, if, if it's ever been done as overtly as what you did here. I know you did this intentionally, but it about a third of the way through this movie, it is, it, it's game over for Nefarious. Yes. Uh, about it and it's not ambiguous it's not this is the point about dualism it's not even it's going to be a rout and he knows it and but because of these seven deadly worldviews we aid and abet them yeah and nefarious is just like oh okay i mean i'm not giving it any way but to tell you it's it's a masterpiece of five minutes of filmmaking that goes into what we've been talking about. And I'm sorry, first thing I told Steve after, what do you think that scene was? And I didn't, I didn't know at that time that that he, Steve, had specifically made a point of putting that in. It's um, it's so good because it's so damn sad. As Christians, we believe this lie all the time. You, you know, you do. You believe. That evil is just as strong or stronger than God. You act like it. You basically act like God is just like some ukulele playing guy singing somewhere over the rainbow on a beach somewhere. And that's all the game he's got. But the <laughs> evil is all over the corner. I can't. They say this word about me. Oh, no. Hide. That's a lot of you. It's been me at times in my life before I woke up. And it's got to stop. Well said. Aaron. So to kind of put a bow on what we were talking about earlier with Brian Festa, the train derailment in East Palestine, an ongoing ecological disaster, I said there's a direct line between that story and something we were going to be talking about, and that is the final stage or the final deadly worldview, and that is secular humanism. There is a direct line from that story to secular humanism. Now, all seven deadly, deadly worldviews are related to each other in some ways. They all share one commonality, as Todd likes to put it. They're all God killers in one way or another. But I don't think there's any relationship stronger or closely between two of the deadly worldviews than there is between utilitarianism and secular humanism. 
If we were living in a utilitarian society, writ large, the, the people who are all about green energy, they would be all over this. Because apparently they would say, you know, they would say, hey, this is not good. This is uh, human suffering. We got to do something about this. You voted for these Republicans and they sold you out. You voted for these Republicans. They they sold you out. Utilitarianism, at least there's some plumb line. Yep. It may be evil. It may be of human tradition. It may be not of God. Thanos had a plumb line. It was an evil plumb line. But it was a plumb line nonetheless. Secular humanism, there is no plumb line other than, and you guys mentioned it earlier, Power, power, whatever is devoid of the good, the true, and the beautiful, and is full of strife, envy, and lust. You can be sure at this stage of a society where we have embraced full-on secular humanism, whatever that is, that will take place. I learned my lesson in this the hard way. And we mentioned it at some point earlier this week. Maybe it was off the air. I thought it was going to be our largesse that would save us from continued lockdowns and madness of COVID. It was our largesse, actually, that allowed us to continue that. Yep. I think that's another example of this Because now we could just do everything at home. Exactly. Both of you guys, I'm glad I did that. You guys both put a great bow on that conversation. Let's go ahead and get to three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. Yes, three hopefully good non-political questions. You guys are going to like question number three. I promise you. I promise you. All right. Question number one, though. What's on your Mount Rushmore of favorite fictional books? Mount Rushmore of favorite fictional books. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula is one of the greatest books I have ever read. Uh, And the uniqueness of how it is written almost like a, a running diary, a running entry of diaries. Francis Ford Coppola captured this well uh, in his 1992 uh, movie, Bram Stoker's Dracula. He kind of added the exposition about Vlad Dracul that's at the beginning. But the rest of that movie is the most faithful adaptation of Stoker's book that's ever been done, including the, the diary entries. So I would say Bram Stoker's Dracula, Stephen King's The Stand. I mean, we used to, uh, we used to stay up at night in college, man, and just have hour long, hours long conversations about that book. I mean, that the, the depth of that book, it, 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 it is mind numbing that that book came from his worldview. Because I mean, it has a lot of things to say about where we are at culturally right now. If you have not read that book in a long time, and they've done a couple of TV adaptations of it. I think one of the stream services did a couple of years ago. I don't know if it was any good. Um, they, ABC did one in the, in the 90s, uh, an adaptation of it. That's not bad. I think um, uh, Gary Sinise, I want to say, is in that one. It's not bad, but it just doesn't do it justice. It, it, that book is absolutely incredible. So I will say Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, Stephen King's The Stand. Um, 
I'm going to throw you, I'm going to throw you a, uh, a, a, a tip I, of a cap. Did I right? write the book? No, you didn't. Oh. But um, maybe, the, maybe the most difficult fiction book to write in modern history is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. You are talking about the best-selling fiction series, maybe in publishing history. And how do you close it? How do you end it in a way that does everything else that you have done up until that period of time justice? Okay. And so I'm sure if the more I thought about it, I could come up with others that are better. But to, to, for J.K. Rowling to not only meet those expectations, but maybe exceed them, given what was, what was her charge, the difficulty of her task, I'm going to put that book on my list. So that's three. And you got to remember, growing up, man, I read a lot of biographies, a lot of, you know what? It's nonfiction to us, but it is considered fiction. George Orwell's Animal Farm is one of my all-time favorite books. I think it's one of the greatest works of Western tradition, like ever. Uh, so Animal Farm, which isn't fiction, it, it, it's in the fiction section, but it's prophecy. So Animal Farm, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, Stephen King's The Stand, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Those would be my four choices. It is to my shame that I cannot, I've never been much of a fiction reader. Any list I would put out there would be embarrassing. This is something actually in my uh, graying years, maybe, uh, when it's just my wife and I doing whatever we're doing, I think I'd like to uh, be doing as a side hustle, reading some more of the classics. I've just been much more nonfiction oriented. But I want to echo what you said about Harry Potter, only because my wife, who reads a lot of fiction, when we started dating, she listened to those on uh, audio tape uh, driving uh, uh, to visit me. Uh, when it was uh, her turn to make a uh, a trip, and she's got pretty good taste in 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 what she reads, and yeah, it's not she, it's not just a lot of the nonsense that passes for you know whatever um what's that teen fiction or things like that. Um, I mean, there is there is weight. My lesbian girlfriend's a werewolf, uh, isn't that what well, isn't know, that what teen that, fiction that, is that, now? There yeah. there is weight to it. There is consequences. Uh, so yeah, she would agree. Mine are, I, I you made a good c case for Deathly Hollows in in terms of what's just a fun read and probably was my favorite read in in all of the Harry Potter Goblet series. of Fire. I was gonna say that actually. I, that's actually, my second favorite book in the series. Chamber yeah. of Secrets is actually I think one of the funnest because you're you've still got the childhood innocence, but you've got that looming shadow over you as well. Mm -hmm. So. That's one. Uh, Swiss Family Robinson, especially reading that as a young kid, that was a fantastic adventure book. Uh, I would say that Silver Chair would be another mm -hmm. one as well. I'd like to say like Bear Snores On or Little Blue Truck because I read that a lot these days. But I'll go with, uh, and it's really not a fictional book, but I mean, technically it is. And it's like, you say about George Washington, he's the best president because we wouldn't have had any others if it weren't for him. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have the movie Nefarious if it weren't for screw tape letters. So I'll put that on there. As there you well. go. None of us took Lord of the Rings, huh? Nope. Except it's, here's the thing. It's such a tough read. It is a difficult read as a, as a singular volume of work. It is a colossus. I just don't know that on an individual level, any of the works, if we took them out of their overall narrative, 
I would rate with the other four I just mentioned. So, All right. As quickly as we can, so we have time for question three. At what foreseeable, foreseeable, foreseeable point will you say college athletics is getting better? Or at what foreseeable point will be your final tap out? I think at this point, we just it, have to just be very honest about what is going on here and who they are. And at this point, I think I'm going to take a, I'm going to abandon traditionalism because I just don't think it's achievable any longer and, and just be as libertarian about this as possible. And let's just admit what this is at that point when we're all being honest with each other. Okay. That's actually unique for me because I actually have a kid and soon to be two in the middle of it. <sighs> wow. That's a really good question, Aaron. That's a, and I'm not, I'm not trying to dodge it, but that's a fantastic question, and it's way deeper than I think a lot of people will give it credit for. Can I just leave it at that? I think Steve answer, Steve's answer could be the answer for both of those questions. I don't, I'm not sure if that's what you intended, but I think that could be the answer for both of those questions. I think for me, uh, when, when the game itself is polluted to the point where it, it's just, we're not really playing football here, we're just making money, when it will get better, that's a that's a tough question. Uh, when it gets better, I, I don't know. I guess one thing would be just some sort of even playing field. That's Not, what I'm alluding to. Yeah, yes. some sort of even playing field, and yep. I don't know what that would even look like. All right, question number three. Hey, Dad, as I sit by your beautiful <laughs> truck outside, I just have a quick question for you. So when you do buy, sell, or hold, you always say if you hold on a question, you have to hold – Lindsey Graham. So let's spin it on you. Would you rather do the last dance in Dirty Dancing with Todd, Aaron, or Daniel? And if you decide to not answer this question, you have to hold Lindsey Graham in Pete's hot tub. Love you, Dad. Love this truck. <laughs> Telling you, put your house We're in order, man. Letting she's, out, this she's gone go. rogue. Just out there. Actually, what really happened is so the, the whole the whole shtick that we have about. Hey, I never have three questions. That's only like, well, that's about 50% true. 50% of the time I do, 50% of the time I don't. Today, I really did not. And so I was like, hey, Anna, old buddy, old pal, you got any ideas? Can you bail me out? <laughs> um, it's a menace. <sighs> don't. <laughs> Look at me. Here. Can I? Don't. Can I, I am the captain now. Can I give? There are no good answers. There aren't any. There aren't any. Can I? Can I help you? Yes. Help me help you. Yes. The dirty dancing thing. Choose Daniel. You don't have to see him every single day and look him in the eye. I was thinking that actually. I was actually th the thing. The thing is though, I am confident that he is the more likely to punch me. Of, of of the group, I think all of you oh, are likely. I agree but with I, that. But, I, but Daniel, but Daniel, again, I'm telling you, has a very again. has a very quick trigger. Okay, a very he'll fight you. And all right, that's actually a good thing. That would actually that would make the the, the make the, it end sooner. Yeah. All right. So I'm thinking of the, punching you right now, just for other reasons. It's like a spoonful of sugar. <laughs> so there's a lot of people, as a matter of fact, each day. Actually, I've been told I have a very punchable face, and I took it as a compliment. Um, yeah. All right. I like your answer. I'll go with Daniel. For the reasons that Aaron said, so that I don't have to be in the hot tub with uh, Rear Admiral Pete over at Lindsey Gramnesty's house. Was the show over? Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you we had know. a minute. Got a full minute. Go ahead, Todd. Your thoughts. What am I? Isn't, it was just a question to you, right? I, yep. It was. Yeah. Yep. I, I thought mean, it was to the whole group. 
Oh, well, then that's my answer. I mean... No, we were options. Take, yeah, we were options, but that would... I mean, if the question were asked to me, I would choose Daniel, because I don't have to see him. And he might hit me hard enough, it would knock me unconscious, I would not even remember. Daniel's that kid in high school, man, that even though he was like five, six, and a yeah. buck 40, no one wanted to fight, because you knew he'd take it to the end. You know what I'm saying? That's- I mean, you, you probably thought, oh, I'm bigger than that kid. I'd probably take him. But he was going to make you prove it. You know what I mean? I can do we, this all day. Yeah, we were just going to push and shove, and the teacher's going to come in and break it up. All right? I mean, if we were going to go, it was going all the way. <laughs> all right? So he was, he, you knew he was going to test you, and you're better off just walking away at that point. All right, we're going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash days. We'll be joined by our colleague and uh, contributor Jill Savage for that. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right here on The Blaze. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On The Blaze Radio Network.